Hey everybody and welcome to episode 46 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. You can listen to all the shows and interviews on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. All right, joining us today on the show are our friends, George Farmer, Hip Hong, Sean, and of course, myself. Here I am. We're talking about things that we wish we knew back when we first started the hobby. So when I started the hobby, I was researching like crazy and trying to find out what KH levels plants prefer, what GH levels, levels of nitrate, levels of phosphate. And so I went and bought myself an RO unit, a reverse osmosis unit. I, I made my own reverse osmosis water. I bought um, all different types of powders and test kits and tried really, really hard to hit the suggested levels. And no matter how much I tested and no matter how much I adjusted the levels, I never got exactly the right levels I wanted. And it was infuriating and I wasted probably hundreds of pounds, hundreds of dollars uh, needlessly. And it was only when I discovered the work of people like Tom Barr and I realised you could actually grow really healthy plants with hard tap water. And there's absolutely no need to test the water either. So um, that was about 12 years ago. And that's what I do now. I use tap water no matter where where I'm using the, the tap water from, are soft or hard, medium. I, I do aquascapes all over the world. That's all I do. I just use the supplied tap water and I ensure that there's plenty of nutrients being dosed so the plants don't go hungry. And I just reset those nutrient levels every week with at least one large water change. And that's as simple as that. And if I knew it was simple as that back then, I would have saved myself many, many hours and many, many dollars. So, yes, lesson learned. The most important thing I wish I knew when I first started aquascaping was that everybody goes through rough patches and algae problems, even the best aquascapers in the world. We always see these pictures of pristine aquariums online and in magazines, but we have to remember a lot of effort goes into cleaning the aquariums right before shooting these pictures. And just because this person has decided not to show you the flaws and the struggles that they're having with their aquarium, it doesn't mean that they're not going through it just like you are. I used to ask myself all the time, what am I doing wrong? And I would really beat myself up about it too. So just remember, what you're seeing online is just the highlight of that Aquascape's timeline. I'm sure my plants are melting just as often as yours, so uh, don't get discouraged, just keep your head up. Among the long list of things I probably wish I knew uh, when I first started this hobby, this uh, this thing we call aquascaping, is um, exactly how plant selection can make your life so much easier. Um, I think when we're setting up an aquascape, we really need to, to consider um, things like how easy is this plant to grow and select plants that will give you the look you want that are the easiest thing to grow. Um, sometimes uh, I found myself chasing down rare uh, varieties because they look cool, but they were really hard to grow. And when you throw them in an aquascape uh, amongst other plants and put them maybe against plants that are really tough to grow, um, you can find yourself uh, having a hard time um, when another plant may have done the job for getting the look uh, in a much easier way. 
you know, one of the things I wish I did right in the beginning was invest in the equipment that in the back of my mind, I knew I was going to get anyways, because what I did was try to cut some corners, DIY certain aspects of my setup and all that time pinching pennies and trying to research, how can I do this a little bit cheaper? All of that effort and money was completely lost because I upgraded everything anyways. And in the beginning, I knew I was going to do that. But for some reason, I tried to ease my way into the hobby and say, well, let's just try it out and see if I like it. And then I'll invest more. Well, you know, if you're like I am and you knew right in the beginning and you know right now that you're in it for the long haul, you're you're in it to have fun and to make the best aquascape that you possibly can, because that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, if you're into the hobby and you're listening to this show, you want to make a high-end aquascape. You're not going to just make some planted tank, you know, with a couple stems in the corner and, you know, a bubbling uh, little clamshell in the front. You're not doing that. You're trying to create a piece of artwork and you're doing it at a high level and your aesthetic standards are higher than most people. So take that into consideration. And if I had any advice, you know, if it means saving up for a couple extra months, do it. I know that's the hardest thing in the world. But just start right from the beginning with the equipment you want. Get that CO2 setup, get the lighting you want, get that rimless style aquarium, get it all, and then do it right. Right from the beginning, you'll you'll save yourself some time and hassle, and honestly, you're going to save yourself money by doing it that way. So, number two is more of a, an artistic uh, lesson uh, and aquascaping is an art and uh, one of the biggest things I learned um, in the last few years in fact is how hardscape is absolutely essential in creating a stunning nature aquarium layout. When I first started the hobby for the first five years I just used small rocks, you know, small pieces of wood I was even scared to mix uh, wooden rocks together because I, I just didn't think I could do it to make it look naturally. And I just didn't have, I guess I didn't have the confidence to use big hardscape. I just used to rely on the jungle effects of growing big plants, tall plants to fill, the, to fill up the aquascape. Um, but gradually I kind of, you know, as I was looking at other aquascapers out there and obviously the work of Takashi Amano, you know, I, I got more brave and I bought bigger hardscape and, and now you know, hardscape uh, a dominant part of, of many of my aquascapes. So for the for the beginners out there, you know, don't be afraid to go out and collect as much hardscape as you can, whether it's buying it from a retailer, uh, buying it online, finding your own, going out into woods or by the coast and finding your own rocks and wood. Just hoard it, just grab as much as you can, keep it in a, you know, in your garage or hopefully you've got an understanding partner and she doesn't mind you hoarding it under your bed or or whatever. But it's always better to have far too much hardscape to choose from and not enough. You know, when I first got started, there really weren't that many before and after pictures online. And um, so back then I hadn't really uh, realized how little hardscape is left showing after a tank has matured. This is a concept that you can really apply uh, when you're planning a layout or setting up a layout because uh, you can kind of look into the future and take into consideration what parts of your hardscape uh, will be hidden by the plants after they've grown in. And that's something you can really use to your advantage. You know, you could really look forward into the future and anticipate that the plants will uh, hide certain flaws in your hardscape layout or 
just know that maybe you don't even need hardscape here because the plants will fill that space in. Another basic technical part of aquascaping that I wish I'd known from the beginning is how important a good substrate slope is. Um, and I mean getting something really steep to the back or um, something that builds that perception of depth. I think every time I do an aquascape, I find myself um, doing more of a slope than I did in the past. And I do find myself looking at scapes I have done, um, you know, a while ago thinking, you know, this would have looked a lot better if I'd have gotten more steep uh, substrate slope in here. Um, I need more of a slope. And so I think that's something a lot of beginners, intermediate scapers, um, even some more experienced scapers really don't do enough of is put a really good slope in there and utilize um, that to create um, a more dynamic aquascape. I wish I did less of is think because I have a tendency like a lot of people in the hobby to overthink things go down these rabbit holes on the internet pulling apart topics that you inevitably realize through your own experience weren't as important as you thought they were or maybe they're ir irrelevant altogether so learn the basics because keeping a healthy planted aquarium is not rocket science anybody can do it and you will evolve along with your aquascaping because it's a process your aquascape will be different tomorrow than it is today and you will be different tomorrow than you are today the only thing finite in aquascaping is the photograph which is just a snippet on a timeline and you know what that's a whole nother topic that i wish i knew a little bit more about and the difference between a photograph and an actual aquascape but to get back to this just get in there just do it have fun if you if you think too much about it you're doing yourself a disservice because you're taking away from the fun of aquascaping and in the end that's what it's about having fun learning if you're listening to this show you're either already successful or you're going to be so don't worry about that just get in there and have fun and evolve and learn don't be hard on yourself and don't overthink it one of the biggest things I wish I knew when I first started aquascaping was the importance of a pressurized CO2 system. Like with most beginners, when I first started, I did everything I could to avoid buying a CO2 system and I tried other alternatives, but when I finally decided to buckle down and spend the money, the results were tremendous and there really is no replacement for a pressurized CO2 system. So it, you know, although it was something I always knew um, the, the benefits of, I really failed to acknowledge it and I wish I had done it sooner. You know, when I first began uh, and compared to now, I really wish I would have known in the very beginning how absolutely basic and simple it is to grow an aquascape and I wish I could convey that to people now. Uh, but I, I really wish I would have known in the beginning because uh, I think there's a lot of moments in my journey as, uh, as an aquarist, as an aquascaper, um, where I was chasing things that were overcomplicating uh, the hobby. Uh, and I think a lot of us have the tendency to do that. Um, we want to really focus on in on the minutia uh, of dosing and fertilizing, or we want to focus in on trying to measure everything. And really, uh, at some point, it, it gets to where, um, and you'll see this, experienced uh, aquascapers don't measure. Um, we don't 
grumble and and wonder and ponder over every little detail uh, or technical detail of the scape. It becomes something that's very natural and intuitive. And um, if you can understand that in the beginning, I think that can help you focus on really that uh, that holy trinity of uh, plant growing, and that is the flow, the CO two, and then some uh, form of dosing and fertilizing. Uh, that is not overly complicated. Yeah, I wish I wish that I'd known how, how awfully simple it is, really, if you break it down into um, those three basic components. Ah, uh, lighting. Yeah, so lighting, I think, is overemphasized uh, in the plant attack hobby. Obviously, it's a really important aspect of growing plants, and without it, you cannot grow plants. But I, th- I think a lot of emphasis is placed on a certain spectrum of light, a certain intensity, and actually, um, almost like the first thing I talked about with regards hitting certain nutrient levels, you don't need to hit certain wavelengths or certain intensities to grow plants. Plants are very adaptable. Um, they're very opportunistic, and they will adapt themselves to be able to grow under under a, a huge uh, spectrum, literally, of light. So don't get too kind of obsessed about hitting the right levels of light when i started the hobby it was all about um you know how many t5s or even back then it was t8 t8 fluorescent lighting i could squeeze five t8 fluorescent tubes in my hood of my dual rio on c5 and i thought it was brilliant i thought i was like amazing this is great i can grow anything i can in fact all i did grow was algae because the more light you have, the, the more risk there is of algae, the more nu- more nutrients you need, the more CO2 you need, the more maintenance you need. And the big discovery which I have made fairly recently, and I wish I'd learned back then, was the fact that you could grow most demanding plants with, with only moderate levels of light, um, with good CO2, good circulation, good nutrient levels, good substrate, good maintenance. You'd be surprised at what you can grow. And the advantage of using lower levels of lighting is that it's gives you more room for error you can get away with skipping that water change you can get away with missing a couple of days of fertilizer dosing less for risk and you're using less energy uh you know you're not your electric bill will be lower um arguably it's less uh distracting in your living space if you have like super super strong lighting it can be quite distracting and you know a little bit um off-putting if, if you're watching the tv or having a conversation with someone and you know, this, this bright light keeps catching your eye, especially with suspended lighting. So yeah, that's that's my that's my other lesson that I wish I wish I'd learned back then when I started ho- the hobby. So I hope you guys have learned something from that. Um, it's been a real kind of uh, journey, actually, thinking back about the mistakes I learned and and what I, you know, what I wish I did differently. But I guess actually, do I really wish I did them differently? It's an interesting topic because without making these mistakes, maybe we don't learn so much. Um, But I've made them now and hopefully you could learn from my mistakes and uh, don't make them yourself. Save yourself lots of money and lots of time. So keep on scaping, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the Aquascaping Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, JR. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. Like us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.